Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth ever episode of the K Koji podcast. I am K, and with me today, of course, is Koji. Hi. Hello, Koji. Hey, how are you? Good.、Um, you know, this past week, I actually、um, went out and did a little bit of、uh, activities, very Asian activities.、Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to a dim sum、uh, restaurant. Oh, nice. Was that a Sunday dim sum you had? Yeah, yeah, Sunday dim sum. And,、um, you know, I, I did have a few questions、mm-hmm. for you、um, because I'm fairly familiar with the whole dim sum culture.、Yeah. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts around、um, a particular dish in dim sum、mm-hmm. that a lot of folks get a little like concerned about、mm-hmm. when they first look at it. And one of those、uh, dishes is、uh, chicken.、Food. Oh. Actually, that is my favorite in a dim, dim sum restaurant. So, actually, eating chicken feet. Do you like chicken feet, Kay? It, it depends on how I feel. I、day. see.、Uh, um, actually, that, that, that's, that, that actually also applies to me、uh, because it's a, it's a very distinct、uh, dish. That I think I need to be in the mood to eat it. The folks that like, love dim sum that might necessarily even not be Chinese.、Um, Like, I have a, a friend that's、uh, Canadian, like, like Caucasian, and he loves dim sum. And he joins us, and every now and then we like have dim sum together. And he has gone to dim sum so many times now that he can fluently start ordering food. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> in Chinese. Like, he's gotten that good because he knows like, what to order now. He knows what he I likes. See, see. So, a lot of times he's pretty good at like, ordering things, which is,、uh, which is really good. And I guess those aunties and, like, get, get startled, right? When, you, when, when, you hear him, when they hear him、uh, speak in Chinese all of a sudden and ordering. Well, well you know what? The, the funny thing is that they, they don't, at least not here anymore, at least not in.、Um, In, in my area,、uh, seeing like、uh, Caucasian speaking Chinese now is actually kind of normal. Oh, really?、Uh, which, yeah, yeah. It's like they're not as surprised as they used to be. Maybe it was like a couple of years ago. Yeah, that, that might still have been a thing. But、uh, these days, it's, it's, it, it does, it's, not, it's not as much of a shock t h a t I see, I see. Be, which is pretty I interesting. That, that's very interesting. So, going back on the, on the chicken feet, so, you know, I, I had, you know, growing up in Japan, we don't have a strong dim sum culture here. So I had never eaten chicken feet until, you know, I went to Canada. And one day I, I went out with,、uh, I, went, I went out for <clears throat> dim sum with my, with my, I think, Hong Kong friend and his father. So, like, his, his father was treating me. So I was, I was very grateful. And they just took me to the, this restaurant. I didn't know it was dim sum then either. And then, you know, just ordering, start, start ordering、uh, random food, little dishes come. And then there was the chicken feet. And I honestly was so disgusted at the time. I, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a chicken feet. How am I supposed to eat this? And, But you know, I didn't want to be rude, right? Because they, you know, they were being nice to me and taking me to places,、uh, not, just to, not just one time、uh, that they took me to dim sum. So I, I, I felt like I had to eat it. And I, you know, I, I put it in my mouth and it's so bony. And you know, they have this, like, you're, you're basically eating the skin and the, this you know, gelatin that's.、Uh, yeah. yeah, it's gelatinous. Yeah, it's gelatinous, yeah. yeah. 
stuff that's in it. And, you know, actually, I, I thought it tasted okay at the time. But then the second time I went to dim sum, I ate it again. And the third, and then, um, you know, I kind of almost always order it every time I go to dim sum. So <laughs> you got I used got, to it. I got so used to it. Um, I, I used to think it's so so disgusting i mean it's it's chicken feet you know where they walk and how you know what they look like right it's 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 a scary sight uh, when you see it for the first time because you you never see chicken feet um i had never seen chicken feet outside of like farms or chinese restaurants so (laughs) so uh yeah it was a it was a scary sight but you know i eventually got used to uh eating eating the food and you know i i i think uh I think it really opened up my ability to try new foods. So it's it's funny because um, in Korea, they also have something similar to that that we have in dim sum and it's called dakba. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like chicken feet, but there's a lot more flavor and it tends to be a lot spicier as well. So if for, for folks maybe that are, you know, they want to like get into chicken feet and like try it out. Um, and, and maybe you don't like like the more moderate flavor that's maybe found in dim sum places then try that out that might be good because that's packed with flavor and it's not just like too much of the bone and gelatinous stuff um, it's also good as well um, so you might want to try it out uh, but what other foods do you like in, in dim sum or what do you usually order when you go there oh I, I usually order the, the radish cake oh yeah Nice. Yeah, I like I like that stuff. Uh, and you know, of course, of course, the the dumplings, right? You know, the steamed steamed kind. Uh, those those are pretty good. And the, and the bun yeah. with the with the pork chashu inside. Yeah, yeah, with the chashu inside. That's uh that's really good. Yeah, it's uh, but you know, it's it's very hard to find a dim sum restaurant like a decent dim sum restaurant in Japan actually because I think the culture is not exactly there and i think there's a i don't know if you know but it's a it's a pretty famous uh more like a reasonable dim sum restaurant that's in that's based out of hong kong it's called tim ho wan uh, i think they they're, they're like the cheapest michelin star restaurant in hong kong or in the in the world and they, they serve uh dim sum and they they landed in tokyo recently so so of course i went in the other day and and ordered my uh share of uh chicken feet <laughs> yeah but you know i think the reason why it is difficult to find decent dim sum here is because japanese people when you know we have chinese food everywhere basically it's basically on in every town of japan you find at least one or two chinese restaurants but uh it's it's usually very japanized and standardized to that to that format so uh it's it's rare to find you know, sometimes rare to find uh, authentic food in Japan in that sense. And that also applies to curry. Have you had a Japanese-style curry before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like, it's, it's a, I wouldn't consider this the same dish as, say, uh, Indian curry or Thai curry. Japanese curry, it's a... Sweeter. It's a different dish. Yeah, it's sweeter. And we have those curry restaurants everywhere uh, ba- literally everywhere uh, and actually in the neighborhood that i live in in tokyo it's it's pretty well known somehow for the the, the curry restaurants for the curry restaurants 
And, you know, they form long lineups like the famous, famous locations. But I, I understand, Kay, uh, that Chinese people also eat curry, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's like a very lot of different types of curry dishes, um, like with potato and chicken in it. And mm-hmm. it's it does some of the it's not as intense of a flavor that you would find in Indian curry. It's like take mm-hmm. take typical Indian curry and then maybe lower the spiciness by like <laughs> like a fifth. <laughs> and that's that's kind of <laughs> like what some of the like um the the Chinese uh curries that you'll run into a lot of times. Otherwise if mm-hmm. it's if it's spice you're looking for then it's Sichuan, right? That you 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 lean towards or like the the hot pepper sauce and stuff like that. So um yeah, there is curry. There's like a uh, curry bread right which you can also find in mm-hmm. japan oh yeah um, oh no that's the best yeah when it's when it's like straight out out of the oven uh and it's hot it's yeah i mean it doesn't even necessarily have to be out of the bun too you can put it in the microwave afterwards if it's a little bit cold oh, yeah, and guess. it still tastes pretty yeah. good um mm-hmm. but yeah there's definitely curry dishes um in in china with korea they don't really have as many like curry dishes i think the curry dishes in korea are a lot similar like the japanese style of curry because they I, use I the guess, same stuff I, yeah i guess i guess korean food uh itself is uh already pretty spicy oh yeah so yeah so i maybe maybe you know the spicy space is uh is more occupied in korean cuisine yeah definitely yeah, yeah. but like you know when we're talking about like diversity of food right i mean in in Canada, or at least in the two major or two ma- major cities that um, I know have really great Asian food is Vancouver and Toronto. Um, like their Asian food is on point. Like it's hard. Yeah. Like you can find no. a solid Chinese and Korean mm-hmm. restaurant in those cities. No problem. Actually, in some cases, sometimes the food there is better than the home country <laughs> as well because yeah, of the I, I heard someone say that the dim sum in Vancouver is better than, you know, it's, it's the best dim sum um, in the world. Yeah, like we're like, yeah. it's it's legit and it's it's mm-hmm. solid and it's it's really mm-hmm. funny to see that like <laughs> that, that it's it's quite good. I mean, there's like a lot of like dim sum places in the U.S. as well that I've been to mm-hmm. and the ones that proclaim mm-hmm. to be the best. But I feel mm-hmm. that they're not as good as the ones that I mm-hmm. know of in Canada, even mm-hmm. though they're they have like the best ratings online. So it's interesting to like um, see that. And then when it comes to like curry as well, like we have a really big like um, in, Indian, Indian population? population, right? That's yeah. immigrated to Canada, and so you can find some really mm-hmm. solid like Indian curry. I know when we eat, when we ate in Canada, we were like dying every day because we had different types of curry, like Pakistani style curry and then like yeah. India style curry. Yeah. And like uh yeah, like the like the chicken bit the, the lamb bindaloo. Lamb bindaloo. <laughs> <laughs> we used to always go there. We would like die and like um yeah. it's so spicy but so good. And mm-hmm. but like what do you like better? Like when it comes to like uh, the curries you run into these days do you like the indian curries more or the japanese curries more or like do you lean towards them or do you like kind of like all of them um at this point i like indian curry more because of the varieties that they offer so you know i i i actually 
always used to like the Japanese curry more, but then eventually、uh, I took a trip to India and I found out that everything in India is curry. Everything that it's it's not it's not even curry or not curry. It's it's curry, but different kinds of curry. Yeah, it's it's food is curry there. So, and then I I tried many different kinds of curry there. And I'm like, wow, it's it's so much more to curry than what I used to know. Because if you go to a Japanese、uh, like、Indian restaurant in Japan, yes, they have different kinds of curry, but it's usually the same format. You know, rice and naan with with the with the with the gravy basically. But when I went to India, they have different kinds. They had、uh, they had dosa, which was、uh, which was like this curry that you eat with a with a with this crepe, big crepe, and they had this like croquette, like a deep fried potato ball, curry flavored,、uh, that you eat with a with a curry、yeah. and stuff like、Samosas、that. So it's and, it's yeah, yeah exactly. So it's it's more rich,、uh, you know, compared to like the Japanese curry. Of course, I like the Japanese curry too. I mean, that's what I used to eat. Growing up, but I I just only see it as, you know, one kind of curry. Whereas India, there are just so many kinds of curry and so many different ways to eat it.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of lean in towards that as well. It's like, I think I find like Japanese curry is like really great. Um, but it's it's more of like an entry level curry when I look at yeah, it, right? Exactly. It's, it's it's one of it's one kind of a curry,、yeah. but you know. If you go down that path, then you know you just open up like this whole different like your your door to like this whole different world of curry eating, of spices yeah. and and yeah. like yeah, it's 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 really but, good. But yeah, but definitely to me at least it was a it was an acquired taste. I had to try different things multiple times, and you know same goes for the chicken feet, right?、Uh, you know I had to try it a few times to understand, you know. And eventually, I got I got used to it, and I I, I start liking it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was just、uh, browsing the web, and you know, there's there's this.、Uh, I mean, of course, as we are all aware, you know, the food source is, you know, becoming more and more expected to be more and more scarce、uh, all around the world. Uh, as a result of our population growth and you know trying to stop deforestation, etc. And you know, what do you think about insect eating? I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> have you tried eating insects? I have. Have you tried insects? I have. Yeah.、Um, I have tried、uh, crickets.、Um, mm, yeah, crickets. Crickets yeah. like fried. Yeah, it's right, pretty common. Fried.、Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I've I've tried a few other different types of.、Um, You know, insects.、Uh, like, it's kind of like a like a silkworm. Have you tried those before? I haven't tried the silkworm.、Yeah. I've tried the crickets though. So definitely, it's a different. It's a acquired taste for some of the insects.、Um, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to eat the insects. But that being said, if you can turn. Because insects in general is like a really good source of protein, right? It's、mm-hmm. a solid source and calcium of, too, and calcium. right? I think.、Um, yeah. And I think the trouble is the visualization and maybe some of the flavor profile that exists in insects today that maybe some maybe difficult for some folks to eat.、Um, if you can take those insects today and process them. In a way that's a little bit easier to consume, 
like maybe in a bar form or in a noodle form or whatnot, then I think you, it would be fine. Um, I think it's just the visual nature of it and like just some of the, some of the stuff that might, might freak people out. Like if there's like a, a locust is like, foot it's stuck between your teeth yeah. or something yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um but i mean uh, roasted cricket was actually okay it was like crunchy and like uh, mm-hmm. I, that might sound i think gross, they, they, they do have you know a crustacean kind of uh features to it right so like take shrimps and crabs yeah mm-hmm. is it... and there are there are related right i think uh you know shrimps are related to uh to insects and you know king crab has eight legs it's it's the same number of legs as a uh, spider mm-hmm. spiders so uh yeah and like japan has a pretty like large insect like uh menu yeah right so well it's not everywhere and you know not everyone eats it. actually i i don't usually like eat insects but you you, you can find like in a in a traditional like Japanese like shop that sells like pickled things, you can find uh, like a cricket, uh, like stewed, not like stewed, but like caramelized cricket. You eat it like a snack. And, you know, I was just browsing the web and found that there's like a, there's like a circle of people that are into insect eating <laughs> in Japan. And, you know, how I ended up there was because I was at a park and I, it said, no gathering here trying to catch the cicada, cicada, yeah, cicada, yeah, yeah, so, so, so this, this insect that uh, makes a lot of noise in the summer, yeah, so no catching cicada here, no, no gathering to eat cicada, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, so I, I went back and looked, looked up on the internet, and apparently there is a uh, like a group of people that gather and have cicada parties outside and they have <laughs> so what they do is you know they they go out one 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 summer uh, one day uh, one day in the summer and they just catch all the cicada they can see and cook them different ways like you know deep fry them uh i think deep frying they said is it's like the best actually i'm I would be a little scared to eat a cicada because uh, because of the size. It's it's not the smallest insect. Uh, I would like to you know give that a try eventually. And you know if it tastes good, uh, I wouldn't mind because I think it's a very healthy source of protein and other nutrients to uh, eating insects. So I wouldn't mind going that that path and you know and uh, trying to you know eat insects. I mean, I I I think like those uh those cicada hunting groups mm-hmm. i think they're mm-hmm. doing you know the japanese country a favor by mm-hmm. by like hunting them down and eating them because they're everywhere there's like so many of them <laughs> yeah and they cause yeah, so much noise right so yeah. it's like that's a good thing <laughs> and what what sucks about them is that when you try to catch it they piss on you <laughs> they take a piss on you it's 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 hilarious but you know they have a pretty um, almost a sad life because they spend years, I think like maybe five or seven years underground, as they are you know in their before they morph into their uh, final stage, and they come out and they morph into their final stage and live for 
a few weeks. So they they stay underground for years and then they come up and live for a few weeks just to mate. And they, they, they bury the eggs underground or something. And the kids live for seven, five, seven years underground. So, you know, if we eat them during that three weeks, then, you know, it's like, it's like the only time they have to shine after, after, after five to seven years. And we, they just get caught by humans and de- get deep fried. That's, that's, a <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty sad fate that they have to go through. But yeah. would you say like cicadas are like the wine or the whiskey of insects? Because <laughs> they have such a long like <laughs> preparation yeah, period before you can eat yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like... They've the, been preserved, yeah. yeah. The cicada like the... stays alive for a couple of weeks. That's their, that's their whole goal in life to, to mate and then die <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So they're basically alone underground for their whole life. And then they just come out, mate, and die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, it's, it's a, the it's cicada fate, hunting parties, do they eat anything else besides cicadas? Like any other types of bugs that they go after? Well, I, I think for the cicada hunting party, they, they just, you know, catch the cicada. But I, I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, those people, they, you know, they go out and have different parties. Maybe they have a <laughs> cricket party. <laughs> In the, in the fall or something. <laughs> Got it. That's really interesting. But um, summertime is a cicada. Yeah, I apparently. mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I know, like, there is some insect uh, eating culture, definitely in China and in Korea. Um, but I, I've never heard of mm-hmm. parties mm-hmm. <laughs> going out there. And, and doing that, usually you can just buy it at a shop um or like a like a restaurant yeah. that specializes yeah. in that kind of thing or like a pop-up restaurant yeah I, I think japanese people uh you know re- really like catching things uh from the nature you know just like just like fishing you know we we like to collect things uh from the nature because we have a big you know as you probably can guess easily we have a big fishing culture here and you know they like to you know a lot of people like to just charter boats and go out to fish and eat the freshest uh seafood so yeah. maybe I mean yeah. you, Japanese kids are like treated at a very young age to, to in that mindset. I mean, look at Pokemon. Oh yeah, to go and, and <laughs> gotta like, catch them all, right? Catch, <laughs> catch random things and like <laughs> store them. <laughs> yeah. So, so and, we uh, we are trained to be hoarders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. And collectors of things. No, Japanese people yeah. do collect a lot of things, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they get really into like the things they're interested in mm-hmm. and um, then specialize. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if, you know, at some point, you know, we, if we start really thinking about um, our, uh, the way we, we grow our food or we uh, have meat, mm-hmm. um, like cows and pigs, and we want to start becoming a little bit more, um, environmentally conscious Mm -hmm. and then also be you know we start thinking more about like animals in general yeah we would probably have no choice at some point to either eat synthetic meat Mm. or eat insects right well Um, synthetic source of protein yeah made from uh, insects or something right yeah or or grow or you'd be growing the meat in a lab Mm. um Mm. like the beyond meat 
yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, or you can go, you can culture your, your protein and then make an artificial burger mm-hmm. <laughs> or artificial steak. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, I think I, uh, I read somewhere, now it costs uh, $300 uh, a patty, right? Oh, for the... Uh, the artificial, like lab-grown uh, burger patty. Oh, really? That's kind of expensive stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. For just not, fake I mean, if they, had to, if they had to put a price on it, that, that would be the price. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Well, it I mean, I'm sure that... Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll get better. Mm-hmm. And, like, if we can replicate, like, the perfect steak in a lab-grown environment that has the same level of nutrition mm-hmm. and taste. The, the same taste, and maybe it does the same thing, right? There's literally mm-hmm. like no difference. It's just we don't kill a, a cow or something yeah. for it. I I have no problem moving over to an artificial steak. No, honestly, definitely, definitely not. Um, uh, I heard that there's actually a vending machine that serves French food. Yeah, no, there is a vending machine uh, that that serves uh, like a, you know, separate dishes in the French course meal. So. I understand that the Japanese vending machine culture is uh, widely, you know, known in 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 the in the rest of the world. Am I correct? Oh, like there's, I, I think most people today probably know that mm-hmm. Japan has the most vending machine per headcount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I almost think, um, you know, you you walk down the street for, let's say, in the central Tokyo, you walk down the street for you know, 100 meters, you find at least like two to three vending machines. So you're never thirsty if you have some change. And, you know, Japanese people in general, not not just for like, uh, you know, juice or bottled beverages. Um, we, we, we have vending machines for everything. And usually, though, the vending machines you find are just for drinks. But if you go to certain places, you can find special kinds of uh, vending machines and you know one example which i found pretty cool that i found out recently was that there's a there's a vending machine restaurant that is serving authentic like french course meals that you can take it home and you know basically those 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 dishes are pouched right and packaged so you you buy your you you can build your own french course meal and bring it home i think put it on a plate and 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 there goes your 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 dinner uh, for two and you know I, I found pretty interesting other than you know that you know things that i find pretty interesting uh with the japanese vending machine culture is that we have vending machines for popcorn do you have a vending machine for popcorn in canada i'm um, sure there and i haven't seen as much in canada i know um in some u.s states okay um there is like a vending machine for popcorn i see um yeah but popcorn in japan is different from popcorn in in the west yeah it's like just popcorn in asia is like sweeter yeah than popcorn in <laughs> in the west so it's like a little strange mm-hmm. and, and um, they use different flavors too i think popcorn in mm-hmm. uh in japan and you know uh, other kind of vending machines that you usually see is uh, like instant noodle, like cup noodles. So they they pour the water for you, and so it comes out hot. Uh, you know they have different bento vending machines, etc. As ice creams, etc., etc. So you know, 
you don't have to interact with anyone if you really want to have your meal in Japan. It's a, it's pretty cool. So, like, have you tried that um, French vending machine yet? Not yet. Not yet, actually. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to try. And, you know, it says that, uh, you know, all at uh, pretty affordable prices, you know, versus eating, eating mm. at a restaurant. So, you know, I, I'd like to give it a try just to see, you know, what, what they have and, you know, if it actually tastes good. But it looked pretty good from the pictures. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the question. Is it actually good? <laughs> it comes yeah. from a vending machine. Yeah. yeah. Vending machines is an interesting one. I mean, I think um, I remember talking uh, to one entrepreneur that was trying to bring vending machines mm-hmm. um, into every single condominium okay. uh, in the major cities in Canada. Mm-hmm. And those vending machines with <laughs> like... The idea sounded like feasible, but like it had some like really stupid like connotations around it, which is like, yeah, the vending machine will have bread in it and milk okay. and eggs. Okay. I'm like, that's a terrible idea because all, all those items are perishable yeah. and they won't last very long. Well, um, I, I think though, you know, instead of having a having a grocery store uh, downstairs, I, I think you know th- those those are the things people buy on 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 daily basis, right? So maybe mm. it makes sense because we do have yeah. vending machines sometimes for for bread, yeah, or like and eggs in, yeah. in Japan. Yeah. But I I feel that that like that's the thing. It's like in in the West, especially in like Canada, the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think vending machines would work very well because people here don't take care of things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that aren't theirs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. like. You might probably see like a higher rate of people trying to break into the vending machines, yeah. or or like, just the vending machine kept dirty or something, or get really yeah, or it doesn't get cleaned yeah. as often. Yeah, like you'll see vending machines at like a community center, right, mm-hmm. to like buy pop and stuff like yeah. that. But it's not like outside of the building, no, right? Those no. vending machines, yeah. it's very rare. Uh, they're usually at least outside of like yeah. a shopping mall or something. Yeah. Like you, you'll see a vending machine there and mm-hmm. there, but they're not like every second block Mm -hmm. um there's going to be like a vending machine like in in japan yeah um and then same thing with like korea and china i don't see as many like well that's not true i mean there are some vending machines in certain areas but they're not as many as japan no 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 japan is just crazy with vending machines but what i am seeing a lot more of in china and korea Mm -hmm. is um ownerless or unmanaged stores mm. Mm. so it's like a little like so it's, it's kind of like it's a like 7-eleven full, fully like full autom- okay. fully automated stores wow. yeah okay. so you could consider that as a vending machine but mm-hmm. it's just like one tiny little complex mm-hmm. there's no one in there mm-hmm. you just go in there you tap mm-hmm. and then you tap your card or yeah. your, your app and then you just pick whatever you want nice. and then you just go out the door nice. because the sensors there know what you take okay. and then it just deducts the amount off. And I think that's like in the West, we don't have that yet. It's what Amazon is trying to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm, over here mm-hmm. with their Amazon stores. Um, but I think the part that comes really close to the vending machine discussions we've been having yeah. in the West is unmanaged restaurants is coming. You have. So, okay. No, that's on its way. Mm-hmm. So I am seeing a ton of companies now uh, 
in in Canada, the U.S. start to have like coffee shops mm -hmm. that are just robots that make your coffee for you. Whoa! Without hiring okay. people, and uh, same thing for like restaurants, like like a pizza store, mm -hmm. right? Instead of like going up to the person and say, "Hey, I want a pizza," you just press a button, buttons, and then like it just puts the pizza together to you and gives it to you. So, but is there is there a person in the kitchen making the pizza, or no. it's fully automated? No, Ooh, it's fully automated. It's fully fully automated. So there's a lot of things to like to start thinking about these days, which is um, job displacement of like yeah. of like the restaurant industry mm -hmm. and like and like what's gonna happen because. With with folks that aren't working or mm -hmm. don't want to work, yeah, and then all of a sudden their their stimmy checks or stimulus package or or the, the checks they're getting in the mail stops and they don't have any um, income job experience yeah. or any income, mm -hmm. they won't be able to get. They can't just jump straight into like a a career level job like they they usually you'd have to go through like. Mm -hmm. You know, entry level service yeah. entry level stuff yeah and so if that's starting to disappear and everything gets automated mm. uh it's like how do what's they make gonna a living, happen right? Right? how do they make yeah a how do you how do you make a living so i mean uh, the convenience of vending machines i love i, I really love the idea i mean mm -hmm. i mean japan has like the craziest vending machines yeah. i remember I, I walked past one where it's like it was selling like men's underwear oh yeah you can just buy and you can buy underwear in konbini too and mm -hmm. same in korea like you yeah. can just go to a a, a 24-hour store yeah like a convenience store so like you, buy, you're like, like an underwear. office worker in japan and yeah. you know i don't know you're out drinking all night and yeah. you gotta go back to the office the next day uh yeah. you know you can get your fresh shirt underwear and everything um yeah. at a konbini yeah yeah, it's yeah. a it's like optimized, one hundred percent optimized for convenience and like um, efficiency. That's, that's the thing yeah. that yeah, that's the thing that I think the the East does really well mm -hmm. compared to the West. Is like they're they're just really uh, thoughtful around um, making sure that you can get what you need very easily mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, within arm's reach. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the West, it's like you kind of have to. You, you make it like a journey, right? Yeah, you yeah. No, like first of all, first right, of all, first need. of all, only 7-Eleven is open 24-7, I think, mm -hmm. in the West. And and they don't they don't have a, a lot of things in the store. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I think the change to like Uber Eats, mm -hmm. like delivery, rather than you going to these places, yeah. um, these apps where it's, they deliver the groceries and the food to you, has kind of reduced the requirement for vending machines. Yeah, for from sure. my Cause, opinion, cause, yeah, there, there's someone you know you don't need a vending machine anymore. You can just do it with a with the click of a button with the app. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what? Yeah. What's? Yo, go ahead. And no, no, no. And then, um, and then the, what you can get, you know, you can get different things from different stores. Whereas vending machines is like only what's in front of you. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And what's what I'm finding very interesting, especially in Canada now, mm -hmm. is that there are restaurants that I'm running into in the the apps mm -hmm. where they don't even have oh. a walk-in restaurant. Yeah, it's a, a, a ghost kitchen, right? It's a they're ghost kitchen. kitchens. Yeah. yeah, these ghost kitchens are popping up everywhere, mm -hmm. and they run their entire business off of entirely uh, on the app. Uber Eats. Yeah, off of delivery. Yeah, off of these delivery apps. And uh, that that helps reduce like a ton of their costs, and they just like focus on just 
Yeah. Just the and, and you know, sometimes. actually, what's interesting is that uh, I think in at least in Japan, oftentimes those restaurants may you know you can you can duplicate or, or you can you can you can own more than one restaurant. So you can mm-hmm. have you know with the same kitchen you can you know depending on the number of dishes that you produce you can have different brands different different restaurants because at the end of the day nobody knows right where it's coming from. Well, if you're ordering it from the app, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you, you, you can ha- you yeah. can have you know coming from the same kitchen different kinds of food, and you can mm-hmm. put it under different na- restaurant names. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the same same guy, but he's just cooking different types of meals. Yeah, for so you, you know, <laughs> you might think that you're ordering. From two different restaurants, it could be coming from the one, you know, one restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, and that's even scarier. Now they think about it. You automate the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Now, have, the, now the kitchen's also making your be, food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now the only thing you you need to get rid of is the people delivering your food. Yeah. And so then and autonomous like, coming no is coming its way. Uh, yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> If if we can automate like the cooking process, you know, Amazon might start going into that, etc. And you know, oh, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. They already have plans for that. Yeah. I mean, they're already doing like drone delivery, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's like yeah, you, like, you automate the food creation mm-hmm. in the ghost kitchen. You order it from the app because you don't need to have a storefront, mm-hmm. and then you have the drone pick up the meal and then just deliver it to your balcony or like. <laughs> so what <laughs> does in, in this scenario like what doesn't get replaced is those people who are coming up with the restaurant ideas or recipes eh well it's uh the people that end up not uh not getting displaced are the investors the people with the mm. money right yeah uh number 2 is the the person that is either coding or mm-hmm. building these um operational infrastructure workflow mm-hmm. tools mm-hmm. and then uh the people that are in charge of the logistics um yeah. of everything yeah um, anything supply chain related mm-hmm. That's uh, that's gonna get all automated, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's not gonna be any jobs left over on the supply chain side. <laughs> it's gonna be, I don't know what's yeah. gonna happen. What's gonna happen? Um, and you know, you know, with with the COVID and a lot of people like losing jobs or like you know switching to a different style of working. A lot of people, at least in Tokyo, rely on uh, the Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. You know, restaurant workers, etc. Taxi workers, those people who are in the tourism industries they 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 switch to becoming uber east drivers so yeah yeah. i think like if anything because this will affect everyone Mm -hmm. not just east or west or anything like specific Mm -hmm. to a particular group i think the entire the way we look at our economy today as a whole with everything becoming automated everything is going to be experience-based like it's a hundred percent experience-based so i don't think like the uh, a chef will actually fully lose their job mm-hmm. like you'll just have like a much higher and elevated experience mm. with the person with the serving chef. the food with mm. the chef it's, it's yeah. like, it's like you just, go to a, just be, yeah it's like you go to omakase style like sushi restaurant right? you get to interact yeah with the chef. it's an experience it's just going to be a more intimate experience mm. it's going to be much more of an event like experience mm-hmm. you'll pay more but um your everyday living costs and things that you purchase will be much lower because like mm. it's just cheaper right the, yeah. everything's done without human but you'll still want to go and have these like really great uh eating experiences mm-hmm. um 
And I, I don't think those will disappear. And I think it just falls back to like a topic we talked about earlier, which is like anything related to the creative aspect of mm-hmm. the human condition mm-hmm. is still going to be something that people will always want to engage with and mm-hmm. purchase mm-hmm. and will be valued. Yeah. There's you're, there's still going to be that relationship of mm-hmm. human and human interaction. It'd be, it'd be, it um, would be kind of happen. crazy if like the chef becomes like the master engineer of food and everything that's done in the kitchen becomes... Uh, becomes automated so he's he's a designer well, of they do some of that already i mean if we yeah. look at japan's kitkat yeah company right yeah. if we look at kitkat there is literally like one uh chef mm-hmm. that's in charge of or coming up with uh, all the, yeah, yeah the confectionery master mm-hmm. that's in charge of coming up with all the new kitkat ideas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's his entire job yeah, exactly. and the rest of everything just gets processed so like the eating experience like yeah. dining out experience might change drastically like I don't know how many years, decades down the road, but say you go to a restaurant and you, you know, chef might just be walking around the restaurant instead of sitting in the back. I mean, being in the back cooking, chef might just be walking around the restaurant and talking to the customer about the food and, you know, turning into more of an experience than, you know, being in the back, ordering people what to do, etc. Because everything is now automated, say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that would be pretty crazy. But, you know, the funny thing is we're already seeing that today, right? There's actually like two restaurants in Vancouver Mm -hmm. that have a robot bringing food to the customers now. Dang, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think food should be brought to the customer with hands. I think that that enhances the experience. Like, Hey, well, you know what? Like if you're a business owner and you can't fire anyone Mm -hmm. to work for you to do the serving job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what what choice do you have? Yeah, right? I mean, I it's mean, either. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, have a look at the com- conveyor sushi restaurants in Japan, right? Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> <efficient>. <laughs> yeah, kaiten sushi, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like yeah, it's a uh, that that rope. I I went there and I I tried it out, and it's just like this like robot on wheels that like just zooms around like, the, <laughs> the restaurant and you just take the food. It doesn't hand it to you. It's just like, there's like a space yeah. behind the robot. That okay. just, it just parks its butt near you. And mm-hmm. then you just take the dish out of the, the That's tray. Very and, then you eat. and then when you're done, you press the button and it calls the robot back. So you can put your dish back in there. That's very interesting. I'd like to try that. Yeah. Yeah, and then you don't have to tip the robot. <laughs> ah, that's a big part. Yeah, that's a very big part. You don't have and to and you robot. don't have to say thank you or anything. Well, um, and it, it always has the friendly smile. Mm. It can never be angry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't have a day off. I guess yeah, doesn't it's get always sick. working. <laughs> no hangover. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But yeah, definitely those like higher end restaurants that we'll run into. I think maybe what will happen is that. In the future, we'll only have Michelin star restaurants. That is it. Mich- anything that involves like a person mm-hmm. will be all Michelin star, or restaurants. like very like, professional restaurants, only... professional yeah. restaurants, like like high end, you know. Or not not necessarily professional, but it's just like the experience they give to you is so good, and the food they give to you is so good that mm-hmm. the Michelin's like, if there's no robot involved. Mm-hmm. It's like the best of the best experiences of restaurants. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe. It's it's like it's like you know whatever we use, right? A lot of the things are like fabricated with a, using yeah. a, using an industrial machine. But when it comes to like handmade stuff, it gives a you know you're you're able to you know bring up the price, and it kind of adds an instant you know value 
to 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 a certain product or it seems yeah so yeah like hand i would i would expect yeah. yeah yeah it's i mean we've i think japan's way ahead of the game there with omakase and like mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. grilling like wagyu beef in front of yeah. you like yeah right? or, or, or the other skewers stuff. the chicken skewers et yeah try yeah at the izakayas right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um just being able to like see them cook for you is going to be more of like a performance art yeah. kind of thing yeah right yeah um and so it's more of like a show with a like with like a cooking eating aspect mm-hmm. and like just like great service mm-hmm. and then pretty much any of these like smaller stores which i'm, I'm a little sad to like say that is are probably going to end up disappearing mm. as a result mm. of all this automation that's the, coming. the restaurants that are not able to provide an experience yeah right. people that are not like mm. that can't put art mm-hmm. into their craft mm. um mm. will probably like disappear okay and the only the the most creative or the ones that continue to really like value mm-hmm. the experience their customers have mm-hmm. those are the ones that'll continue to survive no matter what happens um so it's it's gonna it's gonna have a kind of a disparity, right? So there's super high, and everything else is very efficient. Yeah, it's gonna be just like all automated, all robotic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see any reason why um, anyone in the industry would, if if they are not the creative type and mm-hmm. they just want to make money and they want to make things efficient mm-hmm. and they want to like help people get what they want mm-hmm. they're 100 percent gonna go the automatic yeah uh, the automation yeah. route unless right? unless but, you're going down the artisanal kind of path right yeah, yeah. if you are the art, art artisanal mm-hmm. mindset you are the creator you are like someone that really wants that um interaction people will pay for that and there is a value that you can put in there but you're not there to like deliver that type of experience to like 20,000 people <laughs> in a day, right? No, no. It has to You're... be more custom-made. It has to be, you know, more yeah. one-on-one, I think. It has to, yeah. you know, attention has to be paid for a good experience like that. Yeah. I mean, there there are some interesting things that are happening where uh, there are companies that are trying to um, grab food halfway across the world mm-hmm. and bring it to your doorstep. So it's like Uber International. How does that <laughs> in happen? Way. Um, but so the problem with this, like, like, so it's more of like you are buying. Is it for like the um, raw materials or? So there's a, f- they do things a little bit differently. It's like a, either a cooking kit, like oh, okay. a cooking experience kit, mm-hmm. or it's like they, they, they preserve the food in the way that by the time it gets to your door, you just have to heat it up okay. in a certain fashion and okay. you kind of get the same experience. Okay. But it's like, let's say um, you really love like uh, smoked barbecue, yeah. right? As an example. Yeah. But that's all the way in the U.S. because mm-hmm. that's maybe mm-hmm. oh, in Texas, I love the right? That's where stuff, yeah, yeah. So let's say you're in Japan mm-hmm. and Japan doesn't do smoked barbecue very well. Like they can't do it. I mean, they can't do it right. It's not there. Yeah, yet. it's like impossible to find it. At least mostly in Asia. Mm-hmm. Well, Korea is kind of doing a good job okay. of it. I've seen a couple of those. But like, let's say you want to get it from the best place, right? Okay. In, in in texas right yeah okay. you can actually go to these sites and order it and they put it into this like specialty bag mm-hmm. in insulated foam and they'll deliver to you inside there they'll either be like a video or like instruction manual on how to reheat or recook it okay so that Is, you get do they, the do they come frozen plate. or it's it's basically air mailed so it's not uh it's it depends okay. um they're every single menu item or at least the 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 restaurants that are partnered with these like delivery mm-hmm. programs, mm-hmm. they all customize their packaging so it's optimized. To okay, so it depends sure on depends on what you're ordering, right? 
Yeah, oh, they look. They cool. not only look at like how far away you live, mm-hmm. but they all they they look at how like how long the food can last for, and then okay. they build like this like preservation box. Okay, for okay. It, so that stays that way until it gets to your door. That's um, cool. But it's expensive. Yeah, man. I bet. I looked at. I bet. <laughs> like the, um. So what you're really buying with mm-hmm. these like companies that are shipping like the foods you love internationally. Mm-hmm. Like if you wanna, if I want omakase mm-hmm. sushi from mm-hmm. Jiro Sushi or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> in Tokyo, um, you would have to pay for that experience. No, like, actually, what, what what's already happening is uh, for you know. Sushi, I think, is a good example. But with sushi, um, if you go to like super high-end sushi restaurants in North America or anywhere in the world, they fly the fish daily from from Japan, from the Japanese mm-hmm. fish market. And you know that's that's kind of and they, they, and then they they also I think import the rice from Japan and everything else, mm-hmm. and they just kind of combine everything, uh, you know, wherever they are. So that's already kind of happening. Yeah, but it's that's more on like a commercial scale, right? But yeah. this we're talking about on an individual person, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> just ordering what like ready-made food yeah, for themselves. That would be crazy. And yeah, it's just like, but I mean, it, it seems to be doing well. I mean, uh, there's a couple of these companies that are like they were killing it. They're like making a good amount of money mm. um, I, during I mean, COVID because okay. people can't go out, oh, right? Yeah, they can't and they can't go they can't visit. travel abroad yeah. either. Yeah. So like these businesses have been like making ton of money this mm. last two years because they are bringing uh, the things that people loved about traveling, mm-hmm. the food aspect, to their doorstep without them having. That's to pretty leave innovative. Their yeah. home, um, and like I think chefs are starting to do like uh, really interesting and unique stuff around like, oh, if you buy this chef special package online, mm-hmm. we will send you all the meats and vegetable you need to be able to make the food that mm-hmm. you love to eat at my restaurant. Mm-hmm. And what we'll do is we will set up a Zoom call so I can teach you how to cook it. Actually, so I, you have an yeah, interactive yeah. experience too, yeah. which is like really interesting. And I want to see more of that for like Asian food. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the world's famous dumpling chef in China will send you all the things that he uses. Yeah. And then you can go make dumplings with him at the same time where he That'd teaches cool. you how to do that. Or but, do it with like yeah. a Japanese sushi chef yeah. or something but then, like that. But then actually I, I tried uh, like a Zoom cooking session before with, with like a meal kit. It was a little hard. Because, yeah, it just didn't turn out as good as I, you know, I anticipated because the mm. chef cooks too fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, what I did do with mm-hmm. um, the company that I work for yeah. is because we weren't able to have in-person celebrations, mm-hmm. right, uh, at, at the company I work with today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually you'd have a function where you can have like alcohol and drink and stuff yeah. like that and like talk to your. So what we did, mm-hmm. what I thought was rather interesting is we had like a, uh, uh, and uh, we had like a sommelier. Okay, sommelier. Uh, come in. Okay, yeah. And our, yeah, the company would send us, sent us like a bunch of bottles of like high-end wine. Okay. And like champagne. Mm-hmm. And it's like a full bottle. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like one guy, right? So yeah. I'm not going to drink through all three. But we had to open all three bottles <laughs> and like drink it in, in a Zoom call. So they have like and a so wine tasting this, session. Yeah, we had this wine tasting session. Except it's not small bottles. It's like the it's full, full bottle. goddamn And they make bottle. you open three. So they want to get... Yeah. They want you to get wrecked. <laughs> Dude, I got, I got so like drunk <laughs> in that session. Because you have to drink it fast, right? Otherwise yeah. it goes bad. Yeah. Especially the champagne. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The champagne, I had to drink it like... 
fast. I had to get that done today. Yeah. Um, but the other bottles, I had like a, a cork that yeah, I could like yeah, preserve yeah. it, save like could recork yeah, you it. Um, it over. Yeah, I could save it. But it was like it was a lot of drinking. But I thought that was interesting. Like in order to like there are like experiences like that that mm-hmm. you can like buy today mm-hmm. in a situation where you can't really have meetings um, mm-hmm. with the teams with mm-hmm. your teams. Um, that you can still have a good time. It was an interesting experience. You, you know, we learned a lot about like the different types of wines, how how there are some wines with a different label mm-hmm. that's basically the same thing as like a really high end wine. Yeah, but it's like one eighth the cost, so you mm-hmm. should just buy the cheaper wine because mm-hmm. you get the basically the same thing. I see. Um, I see. So it's like really interesting things to to, mm-hmm. to like. I think there's like a lot of if you're creative enough and if you're smart enough and you're too worried about automation, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things about automation. As long as you think smart, you will be able to get ahead of that and continue to be like successful on that side. Okay, okay. But you know, I, I do you think like the actual like you know dining in experience, and you know, eat, okay, let's say let's say you, you know, you you order your food uh, from from Texas, your you know smoke barbecue, and eat it eat it you know on your own dining table in in Japan. You know, the, you can't you can't fully replicate you know the entire you know dining experience of you know being there you know you know the smell of the restaurant you know the the the, the noise you hear and the and the climate etc you, you know that that cannot be fully replicated. Yeah, can't, yeah, of course that can't get fully replicated unless you commit right and you like make your room yeah. like like that like you you set up your room to 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 have that kind of environment. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's always going to be a place for for in-person restaurants. Yeah. Um, and like maybe like the the night markets or like those like side markets where you can just buy food. On the yeah, side I mean, of the I'm pretty sure if I was to eat like the night market food at home, I'd be like, what the, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> what is this check? Like, I would never eat. Like, I would never like have the urge yeah. to eat night market food like at home. You know. Yeah, I think I think everything's going to be very tourism driven. It's mm-hmm. going to be like tourism-based experiences that you go to these restaurants for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, speaking of like tourism and like traveling to like different places, uh, I actually, uh, I actually went to an island in Japan where they have, you know, it's it's like a south, it's like a, one of the southern islands in Japan, pretty close to Okinawa. Um, if you know Okinawa, it's like the like the series of uh, southern islands in Japan, pretty close to Taiwan. And so I, I went there with my family for about a week. And, you know, I got to learn a lot about this island because uh, I took a few tours with uh, with a tour guide there. And it's it just actually, it's called Amami Oshima. It's a, it actually got uh, registered as the national or, or natural heritage site. But... Yeah, UNESCO Heritage Site, uh, I, I believe, uh, in, in August. So they have really nice nature. And, and one of the reasons why they, they preserve uh, the, 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 the heritage is, is because uh, they, have, uh, they have a very particular uh, like, uh, biodiversity that, that has been preserved from, from thousands of years ago. So they have, you know, this particular kind of rabbits that's that's only available there. They have this kind of special like frogs, vegetation, uh, 
and some some other animals that are that are only there. And I actually, you know, when I took the tour, I actually learned that it's it's because of this super snake that's there that's pr- protecting the entire island. And I was I was pretty impressed. Uh, so have you have you heard? Uh, so there's there's this uh, venomous snake called habu in in the southern islands of Japan. And that 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 snake alone actually, basically, you know, protected the biodiversity on the island for you know, for thousands of years, even after you know Japanese people, you know, came into the island. And so so the life on the island is basically very much integrated with the existence of the snake. So like snake, I think is still the apex. Uh, in in the in the in the food chain of that island, so like they they sit above the people. So basically, so when when the when the people come, uh, you know, came to um, came to the came to the island, they they would have like cats, and you know, cats usually go out and kill those like weak you know animals like frogs or like you know rats or or those or those uh, or those or those rabbits that can't jump very high. But because of the snakes, uh, you know, cats were well, well protected and they, they also have, uh, so the snakes are everywhere. And so the way people live on that island is basically very much affected by the snakes. So that even the houses are built right next to each other to, and, and, and they have no grass on the island because snakes love you know hiding in the grass so they always like trim the grass on the on the roadside etc and what i found very crazy was that when i was driving down the uh driving down the town there you you find like a every like 50 meters you find you find like a stick uh basically like stick on the side of the road every 50 meters and that's supposed to be like a snake snake beating stick <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like the first person's to uh, I mean, it's, it's like the first person's responsibility to to beat the snake that they find. So like, if you find a snake, it's your responsibility as a member of the community to beat up the snake and try to catch it because it will uh. it will like put the entire village in danger or something. You know, it could it could kill the next person that it finds, right? So it's your responsibility. Oh, it's really ven- really venomous. Yeah, it's, it's really, very venomous. It can kill like, you. It could kill you, or like if you get bitten and you just like leave it, you're like leg would like rot off or something so it's very venomous holy yeah wow yeah so that's that's so you got like yeah. weapons every everywhere yeah so you, you, to, you can't you can't yeah, you can't go hiking on the island because it's like still owned by the snakes but because of the snakes it's uh it's uh you know biodiversity has been kept uh at peace and 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 the island was you know, it's 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 uh it it got it, it's registration from the UNESCO World World Heritage, and they have beautiful beach. Uh, the ocean is really really nice, and people are super nice. So you know that that's one of the traveling I did recently that I really enjoyed. Got yeah. it. That's uh. Did you see any of those snakes? Uh no, actually I went to. They have a museum for the snakes. And yeah, I got to see quite a few. It's it's uh, pretty big and looks look very vicious actually. It's a big snake or is it like uh, it could these... be big. It could be big. It could be about like like uh 1.2 meters long. That's pretty big. That's pretty big, That's yeah. Pr- and so <laughs> they, they have like heat sensors. And so and 
and they they are very very you know violent snakes too you know so if you're like if you're walking through the bush and you you don't have to be trying to attack the snake or anything if you're walking through the bush they just sense your heat they just and then they just go uh, you know goes into biting you wherever wherever that is so people usually get bitten on the on their ankles or on their wrist when they're doing some field work etc yeah it's, it's very very dangerous with the snake <laughs> <laughs> got it yeah the the snakes are the apex predator yeah and uh yeah in this, in this little <laughs> little island in japan yeah yeah and it maintains its beauty because humans are too weak to fight against it. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly, exactly. Like we can only protect them, uh, protect ourselves mm. from the snakes, right? Yeah, we can. That's it, super funny. Yeah. So you know, you know where 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 people live, usually no snakes because we try to you know eradicate them as much as possible, but we can't get rid of the snake, and we shouldn't get rid of the snake because they are doing more good than the harm to the biodiversity yeah. of the island. Yeah. So I'm sure like yeah. if you got rid of the snakes all the rabbits would like like grow population would grow out of control because there's no snakes eating them. <laughs> or or anything like a cat, you know, that gets yeah. uh, released into the wild or get, loses itself in the wild could start killing the killing the killing the rabbits or anything anything mm. that comes, you know, into the into the island uh from outside could, you know, become a potential threat to the to the rabbits. So and and do and and rabbits do, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> reproduce at a pretty significant rate. <laughs> yeah, they reproduce real fast. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, was, is there anything um, kind of else on your your travel list in Japan? Oh. Uh, or. Are you planning to tr- travel outside Japan now? Well, you know, I wanna, I wanna be able to, I wanna, I, I wanna travel outside of Japan as soon as possible. But you know, I need to see my, you know, there's, there's always this uh, topic around quarantine, etc. So, you know, oh. within Japan, <clears throat> yeah, within Japan, though, I think I, I would like to, you know, drive around the the countryside and. You know, just 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 uh, just go hiking a lot. We have many good, decent-sized uh, mountains in Japan, and and I think it's it's a they make a pretty nice uh, hiking hiking sites. Yeah. Do you go hiking, Kay? Sometimes. I do. I do. There's a there's a lot of hiking that you can do um, where I live mm-hmm. um, in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Like, there's hiking places everywhere. Yeah. And most of the things that you can do uh, in BC tend to be very outdoors oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a ton of really great hiking places, a lot of great places where you can go camping. Um, and it's just like environment is like probably the biggest selling point yeah. <laughs> of British yeah. Columbia. Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. Compared to maybe the some other parts of the province of Canada. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there's a, there's a lot to do. Um, but when you are like driving around in in, in Tokyo, mm-hmm. right, or you're just driving to different areas, like what's it like to just drive oh, in Japan these days? Yeah, so so uh, you know, Jap- Japan, uh, as you can imagine, probably easily, Tokyo there are many cars, a lot of cars and a lot of people, and the roads are not the widest. Uh, so you know, I think it, 
it's a little bit more difficult than driving in in other parts of the world. I mean, I wouldn't compare Japan to、uh, driving in Tokyo to driving in, say, India or something. I think that's that's on a whole different level. I mean, because those guys basically have there there are no rules, right? Driving in India, because whenever I I was in India and there are people just driving, you know, against the traffic sometimes. <laughs> Same thing in Vietnam and、yeah. in Thailand. They、yeah. just drive all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they kind of drive all over the place. And Japanese driving in Japan is very orderly, as you can imagine. And we have this、uh, highway、uh, in Tokyo that's going around the city, basically、uh, right in the middle of the city. So you know, you see like office building right next to, you know, right next to the highway. And I, I'm not sure if you played any racing games. They always have a course、uh, where you drive, you know, through the through the skyscrapers in Japan, and that's that's basically real life. And a lot of the games actually simulate the Japanese highway driving experience、uh, pretty well. And even at nighttime, I live right next to a highway, so even at nighttime, it's a、uh, you know you you hear people racing.、Uh, Down the down the down the highway because there's one highway that goes around the central Tokyo, so it's like a it's like a lap, right? And you can just like keep riding it, going around and around and around. And、um, yeah, so I hear people. It's actually a bit of a noise issue for me because I live close to a highway. But、uh, yeah, you hear like supercars going down the highway, and you know, going back to the driving around in in Tokyo or in Japan. In the countryside, you know, on the mountains, there is more windy, winding roads like you find in Initial D, like the racing <laughs> racing anime. So you know, you、yeah. find the toge, which is like the you know, he you know hillside、uh, winding road、uh, going up and down. And in the in the city in Tokyo, it's it's just a、uh, you know that super complicated highway system that that drives you know, in the middle of the city, and then the, and then the. And then just the streets, but I think because the Japanese culture is all about the order and efficiency, when you drive in Japan, everyone drives. There's there's like a certain rules, unwritten rules that you don't learn in a driving lesson. That that's a little weird compared to how people you know drive in, I think other parts of the world. So let's say you're trying to, you're, so you basically when you're driving in Tokyo and somebody someone's、uh, signaling to merge. Well, I think it's a it's a good practice to let that person merge, just for the sake of the traffic,、uh, just just to just to avoid the traffic, and the person that you let merge usually when you let them merge, they turn on the the hazard lamps twice. They flick it twice, and that means thank you. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. So my my friend that came from Canada drove in Japan for the first time and. And he got he got really confused because, you know, he he he, like, he thought it was yeah. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's like anywhere, maybe outside of I, I've never heard of any other country that that turns on their hazard lights as a thank you. They'll usually like wave with their back of their hand from their rear mirror, right, or bring their hand up, or they would flick their um uh their their headlights or something as a thank you. I've seen that. Um, although that's kind of dangerous <laughs> if you're flicking your headlights,、um, but it's like a signal, right?、Uh, another signal that you can do, but never like the the <laughs> that hazard light because the hazard light's an indicator that 
hey, you're, there's something wrong with your car. Get out of the way, right? And so I would, if I saw that, I would like swerve out of that that area and move into another lane to avoid, you know, what's wrong with them. Because I'm think I'm expecting that person would, uh, you know, their car is gonna like, you know, stop functioning at any moment, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, no. So the key is, but, key is, um, you know, letting it flash only twice. Got it. Yeah. You know, if, if you let it flash more than, you know, three, four times, then, you know, there's something wrong with your car. But if you let it flash <laughs> twice in that context, then you are just showing your appreciation, which I think is nice God. in a way. Yeah. Is that like uh, behavior only in Tokyo or do you find that behavior uh, it's, outside it's, of Tokyo it's, as well? Uh, it's anywhere in Japan. It's all over Japan. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, two flashes, no more than two, two flash, maybe three if you miss your miss your timing, uh, but two flashes of the hazard lights is a it's a sign of uh, appreciation in Tokyo. So don't 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 freak out if you ever come to Japan and drive and you know people are doing that all the time. You don't need to freak out. It's a, it's quite common and maybe you can try Got yourself. <laughs> Guys, so uh, when when you are driving in Japan. If you see any kind of hazard light that goes past four flickers, then there's usually that probably means there's something the wrong car with their is, car. The, the car is probably gonna <laughs> stop, and you need to, you know, get out of the way. Yeah, got it. <laughs> that's that's cool. Um, yeah, it's like uh, so you know, hopefully, you know, you get we get a chance to start traveling again. Yeah, I know I want to start traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some parts of Japan. That I haven't been to yet. That I do want to. Yeah, you need to come out. around. You need to come around so I can thank yeah. you, and maybe you can try driving here in Tokyo too. No, <laughs> I think I'm good. <laughs> the driving part. I'd rather just take like a taxi. But if it's like in outside of Japan, like mm-hmm. in the countryside, yeah. I would like to. It's it's very to nice. Drive it's very nice. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like countryside driving a little bit more. Um, and maybe we can grab a a motorcycle or something and oh, yeah. ride up yeah, there. That would be, be, that'd that'd be pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, hopefully, you know, things go back to normal sooner and yeah. we get to travel and actually go to the city you want to go and eat at the restaurant there, right? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening to the Koji Podcast. You can find more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Keep up to date by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Koji Podcast. If you would like to support the program, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Koji.